Warner Brothers Discovering is continuing to gut HBO Max and the DCEU. What evil thing will they do next? Um, I want to start this week with our intern, Ella, who is back for second semester. Is that is that how that works? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, okay. I think it's the new school year, but we'll go with second semester. <laughs> Um, I know very little. I was reading a little bit before we got here about this, but from what I can tell, um, they're doing a lot of terrible things. Uh, they're firing people left and right. Um, they are not releasing anything streck streaming anymore, movie wise. It's all going to be theaters. So they're going to take some of that away. So I don't know. I mean, if they cancel like House of Dragon, that could be the next evil thing that they do, you know, outside of Batgirl, but. I'm going super evil on this one. Um, so in a new Looney Tunes cartoon, um, Elmer Fudd is going... Looney Tunes is owned, owned by Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're tracking so far. That's yeah. not why we're confused. So Elmer Fudd is going to be sniping Bugs Bunny. Okay. And he's going to connect. Here's the thing, though. We're going like the crow where this is not just a cartoon bullet like elmer fudd is shooting bugs buddy with a real bullet killing off bugs buddy and then leaving elmer fudd with the emotional distress for the rest of his cartoon life tabitha that's incredibly dark are you feeling okay (laughs) (laughs) it's a real question are you feeling okay i mean yeah (laughs) <laughs> I don't know that I believe you. Um, so I have this irrational fear that George R. R. Martin, <laughs> you guys know where this was going, right? Is never going to die. And I think with all this money and this tax money that they're saving, that they are going to find a way to make that man immortal just to spite me. So then Brandon Sanderson can never finish Once of Winter. Hmm. Uh, Matt, I'm just gonna cryogenically freeze him with with the manuscript. The I- ironically, frozen? Winds of Winter. I was about to say, will he be frozen by the Winds of Winter? <laughs> oh, um, I am going to say, well, okay. So they've, like Ella said, they are releasing things in theaters that were originally going to be streaming only. Um, they've pushed back Shazam 2 and Aquaman Aquaman 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that they're going to really cancel anything else. I think they're going to go the opposite direction and we will get a surprise release of the Flash movie. Ooh, that would be very evil. <laughs> Lydia. Yeah. I don't know, guys. Like, man. They're just going to do all of what you guys said just at once. Just no, no punches pulled. Just here's everything we got. We're going to do everything evil that we can. And conscience be damned. <laughs> Warner Brothers Discovery, now owned by Lex Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia. And ticket. All right. So we have a bunch to talk about, and 
we were doing some talking off air leading to a late start time. So let's try to do this quickly. It's not going to happen that way, but it's okay. Because <laughs> we don't have a 45 minute Zoom limitation. That's true. You right. <laughs> so we're going to go right into the pull list. We only have one book to talk about this week. It's End After End. It's out now from Vault. Written by Tim Daniel and David Andre, with art by Sanando C. Uh, Walter Willem led a less than exciting life. Now, his story is used as cannon fodder in a war against an evil that will stop at nothing until it, inclu- it consumes all of existence. Um, Matt, what'd you think? So I usually don't have an issue when we literally get, just get dropped. You, I mean, this literally drops you off in some place completely new. Like, first couple panels, second page, it is not at all where we started. Usually I'm okay with that because you get information as you go along, kind of gives you some backstory, fills some things in. As much as I'm intrigued in where this is going and the full breadth of the story, this first issue did not give me enough just to, I'm, I'm so lost. Like I didn't even know this guy's name was William. Like I didn't know he had a name and I know that, and I'm torn too because part of it is I understand that what they're doing is you're learning what's happening along with the character. And I've read books where that works and maybe this will in the long run, but as a first single issue, story-wise, I'm struggling. Um, art, I really liked it. I loved the disparity. I love the disparity of the colors and like the, the, not the lack of colors in some places. Like, You'd have some bright parts to it, and then you'd have some real flat colors on the backside. That I really liked. Um, and, I, and I'm here for the whole thing, because I want to know where this story goes. But this first issue just didn't quite give me enough to hold on to. You know, I, I noticed the um, like the being dropped off or whatever. And that actually, I, I'm going to disagree with you here. That actually worked for me for this particular issue. But it's not like. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that deserves a shame. Sure shit does. (laughs) But it's not like, you know, the main character knows what's going on and is just not telling us. You know, like the the main character also knows nothing right along with us. Um, I also, for whatever reason, like enjoyed maybe even loved the fact that the way that this character dies which i mean it's not really a spoiler he dies on the first page he gets hit by a train because he's taking a picture of a bug and it's like i feel like that might be how i go out (laughs) but i don't know i just i like i like the premise of the story i like the idea that you've got these warriors from all different you know times and you know nationalities whatever you've got like world war ii soldiers right there with you know i don't know other wars (sighs) very specific i had a really good train of thought going i had a really good train of thought growing and then i hit somebody who was taking a picture of a bug and it just derailed everything lydia what'd you think I'm with Matt. I also struggled with just being dropped off in the middle of a storyline. Like, I finally caught where they were going with the whole premise about 
six pages from the end of this issue. Because, like, like you said, he dies on the first page. And I kind of got the whole, like, afterlife purgatory vibe. Like, I understood that, but I didn't understand the battle they were doing until, like, the sixth, like, page from the end. Overall, it... <laughs> it didn't really grab my attention, but it did give me, like beginning of a video game vibes because it was like oh this is how you fight you know you put the shield up now you like you gotta stab him now it's like this is literally the tutorial of a, of a video game that i just got <laughs> dropped off in the middle of nowhere and i'm now having to learn how to fight even though my character should technically know how to do this at this point so like by the time it got to the end and i understood the idea because i think potential spoiler where they're going with this is it's supposed to be like if you die this is the fight to stay alive because it's like the in between life and death so i'm thinking like maybe he's in a coma or something and he's fighting his runes so like if you stop fighting then you actually die Ooh. so i think that might be what is happening but it took me a long time to understand that and I wish that they had given a little bit more information. And also, like he said, I had no idea what this dude's name was. Yeah, I don't. I'm not really for sure that they gave him his name. Okay. I, I just knew so. that from the description that um, Vault gave us. I was afraid I was missing something. Fair enough. Yeah, Tabitha. <sighs> the only thing that could have possibly been worse about this for me is if it was a post-apocalyptic story. <laughs> <laughs> so. I agree with Lydia. Uh, I was like, I think I might have been three pages from the end before I figured out that um, it was like a purgatory afterlife situation. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, wait, are they going to do that thing where it's like, this is a fight to stay alive that like every YA novel has been doing for the last, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> You're gonna be the. You're. I'm gonna hit you with a bus, and you're not even gonna have a time to take a picture of the bug. (laughs) Am I good? You're good right now. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, I I I liked the art. There were some things about the art that I did enjoy. Um, but I hate I hate being dropped off like that in the middle of something. And I I get that they did that for the specific specific reason that you're on the same level as the main character here because he also doesn't know what's going on but when i read something i need somebody to know what's going on and in this instance it almost felt like whoever the comic creator was also didn't really know what was going on it was kind of like they were like rolling a dice for every like page they were like what's gonna happen now roll for initiative like it's a dnd game <laughs> right it's a dnd decision game like do I put bread on my sandwich today or pizza slices? Like it just, I don't know. It didn't feel cohesive in by any stretch of the imagination. All right. So moving on, uh, we are going to go to <laughs> trailer takedown. Uh, we have two movies to talk about. Uh, Slumberland versus Pinocchio. Um, I meant to ask this off air. Ella, did you watch these trailers? Are you prepared for trailer takedown? Nice. You didn't read End After End, did you? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think so. So, um, Matt, you are our trailer takedown guru. Um, <laughs> you submitted both of these movies. I want you to start and kind of talk about what they are. Um, so, Slumberland, to be honest... Is a mattress store? Yeah, it is. Which... <laughs> I- <laughs> 
to be fair, when I first searched it to get the link, I got a Slumberland commercial. And I'm like, nope, not sharing that. <laughs> um, so this is a movie coming from Netflix in November uh, starring Jason Momoa. It kind of gives vibes of like a children's version of what's the one that robin williams it's really sad yes like super whimsical weird crazy land um and jason momoa is the one that's kind of taking her on this journey for me there's not a whole lot of plot to this trailer it's like Here's a lot of really cool visuals, and this is be some really cool stuff that happens, and you're going to go on a fun, crazy journey. And Jace Momoa is kind of not Aquaman in this movie. Like he's <laughs> like he's like fun and whimsical and like grinning and smiling, and he's not beefy and mad. But I, I don't know. I was a little lost with this one. Um, and the other trailer is Disney's Pinocchio, which is a live action remake because we know Disney has to live action remake air thing um this is different than the benicio okay now we got the right del toro um (laughs) the this is not the guillermo del toro um creepy pinocchio this is just a live action remake of disney's pinocchio um with joseph gordon levitt voicing jiminy cricket Sounded familiar. Yeah, I had to look it up. I couldn't pinpoint it for a minute. It took me a minute on that one. Yep. So um, it's essentially it's the same story. If you know Pinocchio, he becomes a real boy. He gets swallowed by a whale. Spoiler alert. What? Okay. Well, pretend you didn't hear that. Um, (laughs) Another movie where Tom Hanks looks just like my dad. I know. It's weird. It's another one. I don't think I'm going to be able to watch just for that point alone um so anyway that's what we've got slumberland versus pinocchio um i'm i'm torn here because slumberland as much as the trailer doesn't give you anything it still does look fun and interesting and i kind of want to know what this world is about and i i have yet to get on board with any of these live action disney remakes i just don't understand why we're doing it why we're taking a classic because we have better CGI, we're just cool. Let's just remake this. Let's you know, put it back in theaters and make more money. You're already printing money. We don't need this. Um, so I think I'm going to go six for Slumberland and four for Pinocchio. Internella. Okay. So I watched both Pinocchio trailers because I didn't know which one I was going <laughs> to um, That's my bad. That's okay. And Slumberland. Um I uh, agree with Matt. Disney does not need to live action remake all of our old classics. Um, it's just unnecessary. They burned me on Cinderella, and I kind of quit after that. <laughs> live action Jimmy Cricket. Yeah, <laughs> is yelling at a commentary. Right now, like, Ella's talking, and then he's just, like, talking over her. Like, <laughs> Give me a minute. Um, Shut up, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jeez, come on. <laughs> Um, so I was actually now more excited to watch the Guillermo del Toro on Netflix than I am the Disney, uh, live action. And then Slumberland, again, uh, 
like you said, not a ton in the way of plot, but at least it looked interesting. Like, we all know Pinocchio. It looks like they're just regurgitating the exact same story. All the same characters are there. Some of the lines. Pleasure Island freaked me out as a kid. It's probably going to freak me out again as an adult. <laughs> I don't need to go back down that path. Um, but Slumberland, at least it looks like something different. I don't know if it's based on anything. If there's a book out there or a graphic novel or something. Or if someone had original idea, even better. <laughs> Um, I know it's hard to come by these days. Uh, point wise, I, I'm going to go eight to Slumberland and two for Pinocchio. Cause it's just, it's unnecessary. I, I just don't think we need it. He's still not a real boy. No, I was going to say something real mean. <laughs> I'm just not going. To. Nope. Now you have to. Yeah, you no, have to. Nope. You're nope. obligated. You're no. required by law. Yep. No. Yeah. Just we'll sit it. here. We'll all just sit here. <laughs> Does Pinocchio take place in Florida? See, now now you know why I didn't want to say anything. And I'm also going to probably forget to cut this out, and I'm just gonna everybody's gonna know that I'm an a-hole. Thanks, Tabitha. You're welcome. I wouldn't want anyone to think anything wrong. We want to give people the correct information. So I spent the first half of Slumberland being like what the F is this? This I'm not feeling this at all. And I spent the second half being like, okay, okay. Uh, about the time of the, what is it, a stuffed pig? Yeah. yeah. Once once a live stuffed pig like comes into the fray, then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm on board with this. Uh, Jason Momoa as a whimsical Robin Williams-esque type, like, I don't know that I'm feeling that. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Not sure. Not sure. Um, but yeah, but you're right. Like at the end of the day, like I still don't really know what this movie's about. Um, Pinocchio, the couple of live action versions of the Disney movies that I've seen, I've enjoyed, and I know that I'm in the minority on this one. Um, but this movie feels safe almost, um, because we know we know the story of Pinocchio, and it's not like a you know modern day retelling of Pinocchio or anything like that. Like, no, this is Pinocchio. We're just using real people. Um, they probably should have used Jonathan Taylor Thomas in some uh, aspect. Cause didn't he play Pinocchio? Yeah. 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 They, they got the wrong three named teenage hot throb. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, I was really confused for a second because my mind was on Disney and I was like, no, he wasn't. He was Simba. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, different one. Never mind. <laughs> I caught up. But um, but yeah, like I do like the cast. I yeah, like once I had to I had to Google afterwards the cast because I was like, who is playing Jimmy Cricket? And I was like, oh, just a little bit. OK, OK, right on. It's interesting, though, the uh, the person who plays Tinkerbell is cast as the blue fairy or something like that isn't tinkerbell normally no that's that's peter, peter pan. that's peter pan never mind i was like what are you talking different, about different wings man yeah <laughs> my bad different colors green blue yeah. yeah all all fairies look alike racist <laughs> wow thank you <laughs> i you are f- <laughs> <laughs> She didn't call her Twinker, though. Like, <laughs> wow. 
Okay, then. <laughs> so, even though Slumberland seems to be fairly original, I still don't know anything much about it after seeing that first trailer. So, I am giving that one four points, and I'm giving Pinocchio six. Um, Tabitha. Ella got the live reaction of me watching that Pinocchio trailer, and it wasn't good for anybody. <laughs> um, it was real awkward. I have always, I don't like puppets. I've always been uncomfortable with the animated Pinocchio movie. There's just something about a creepy old white guy building a boy in his house. I'm just going to leave that there. And you put Tom Hanks as Matt's dad in it, and it doesn't make it any better. Um... And then the Pinocchio, like, started to move, and then I got real uncomfy. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, mm, this makes me feel awkward, and I don't like it. Um, Slumberland, I agree with you. It's going to do that thing where it's like, oh, she survived a childhood illness, and then she went to Slumberland. It's going to give people unrealistic expectations of the afterlife. So, <laughs> I'm giving them both five, because I didn't like either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia. Oh, boy. So, yeah, Slumberland didn't give you a whole lot to go off of plot-wise. I think one of my biggest problems with this trailer is, like, all the plot points slash informational bits that it did give you. I'm like, oh, this reminds me of Inkheart. This reminds me of Bedtime Stories. This reminds me of all these other movies that have done all this crap before. It's like, even if it is an original idea which i don't know like you said ella i i don't know if it's a book or a whatever if it is an original idea it's still not original because pulling from all these other places does not make it original so also uh which i said this in the group chat when the uh, links got sent i saw the word pinocchio and then i saw a screen cap of jason momoa in that outfit and i immediately <laughs> thought that he was going to play stromboli in pinocchio and that was more exciting to me <laughs> Than the, actual, <laughs> than the actual trailer <laughs> for Slumberland. Um, Pinocchio, yes, Disney does not need to rehash all these movies over and over and over again. However, between the two movies, like this one is definitely going to be one that I'm more drawn to watch just because I'm a Disney nerd anyway. Also, after watching the uh, Elvis movie, I need to see Tom Hanks in something that I don't absolutely hate him in. That's fair. So... <laughs> For those reasons, I'm going to go opposite of Ella, and I'm going to give eight points to Pinocchio and two points to Slumberland. Guys, it was completely pointless to do this trailer takedown, because they tied. Seriously? 25 points apiece. Wow. (laughs) Well, is this the first tie? Oh, no. Usually you have. Oh, okay. More than two trailers. Right. But even still, I, I don't think this is the first time that the final two tra- trailers have also tied. No, it's not. Yeah. So we can all collectively continue to roll our eyes as we get into Guilty Pleasure or Dumpster Fire. Um, and this was intern Ella's um, pick for this week. And we are reviewing Jonah Hex. This movie came out in 2010. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. So... After the Civil War and before America's 100th birthday, Jonah Hex's family is murdered by Quentin uh, Turnbull and his crew. Barely surviving and left with a disfigured face, Jonah becomes a bounty hunter who ends up having to hunt his past. Starring Josh Brolin, Megan Fox, John Malkovich, and others, 
And with a Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter score of 12%, is Jonah Hex a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? If this is your first time listening to this uh, segment, we break this down into four different questions. Um, What's good about it? What's bad about it? How does this match up to past viewings? And this is kind of a new addition. Uh, If you haven't seen it before, would you watch it again? And then finally, is this movie a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? Um, Ella, since this was your choice, uh, I want you to start. What's good about this movie? I always go first. Second time. No. (laughs) (laughs) Picking on the intern. I see how it is. Unpaid and all. Um, what, what was good about this movie? Um, I enjoyed Josh Brolin's performance. I thought his face looked incredibly creepy. Um, that's pretty much it. Matt, what did you like about this movie? Um, (laughs) it was a classic revenge story plot. Um, (laughs) I kept thinking that the plot might get a little more in depth or a little more complex, and it it doesn't. It's which I guess saves it from too many plot holes. Um, just that <laughs> hole in the side of his face. Ooh, burn. How did that not get a shame bell? She had to be able to breathe first. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're both of them. <laughs> <laughs> <I got it. laughs> um, I will say that Josh Brolin's performance was solid. I, I feel like he did do a good job with what he was given. And I, I, this was one of those movies where I feel like you said it was 2010 was the release. Yeah. I feel like if this had been one of those movies that was released in like the late 90s or right at the turn of the century that, oh, that sounds really, really long ago. Um, this would have been one of those that had like an all heavy metal, hard rock soundtrack that would have been like, you know, Slipknot and all of those bands as part of it. And I do realize, after watching part of the credits at the end, that part of the reason I felt that way, and I did enjoy the music, is because it was mostly done by Mastodon, and you get that vibe, and the music fits pretty well with the movie as it goes along. Um, I, I did really enjoy how that, like, the vibe that the music was going with fit with whatever scene you were going with, and they were kind of that like trippy dark hard rock feel to it Lydia what'd you think so good points about this I literally have two things written down of my notes for this entire movie other than what's in my head and it's just highlights and the two things that stood out to me the most was the line that he says to the puppy dog of jealous of your good looks boy because that made me laugh out loud and just the whole relationship with the dog was great and then i'm not gonna lie i kind of geeked out a little bit when i realized that tom wopat was in it because <laughs> i used to watch dukes of hazard with my dad all the time 
So I, I was sitting there and I just literally screamed out across the living room, Tom Opet! <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to explain to Hootie what I was talking about because he did not understand what I said. Um, good, like overall good points at the movie. That's about all I have. Like, that's not a whole lot of good, but I also don't have a whole lot of bad, but we'll get to that later. So the dog spent an hour in the makeup chair to look. All that mangy. Mangy. Oh, <laughs> what Just a good so boy. You know. <laughs> Tabitha, what'd you think? Um, yeah, my favorite part of this movie was 100% the dog. My second favorite part of this movie was the moment when, spoiler alert, John Malkovich's head exploded and got stuck in that thing because <laughs> that was a really good death scene. <laughs> um, that That's it. That's all I have. <laughs> So, for me, there are a couple of good things about this movie. But it's like, the movie does not equal the sum of its parts. Because on paper, it's got a, it's got a decent cast. It, you've, got, uh, you've got Josh Brolin. You've got, you know, John Malkovich. Uh, you have peak Megan Fox, which at that time, Megan Fox was in literally everything. Which, I mean, I guess that's probably good, bad, or indifferent. Um, also, on paper... This story is interesting. They could have done really, really good things with this with this movie. Um, also, like just in general, Jonah's ability to be able to like just touch a dead person and be able to talk to him, and the way that they they did that to make the person like kind of come back to life, uh, that was really cool. And just like just as a not superpower, but just as a superpower, that that's cool. So, um, but with every good thing about this movie, there were about twelve bad things about this movie. Um, for me, this movie it held my attention about as well as that bit of cheek holding Jonah's face together. <laughs> <laughs> that looked like it was about ready to snap at any time. So was my attention span. Um, also, like, in the very beginning, like, during kind of like the opening credits or whatever, they switched to animation. And I get that. Like, they were trying to go for the whole, like, you know, comic book vibe, which is, I appreciate because this is based on a comic book. But it didn't work for me. And it, that's kind of saying something because, like, that usually does work for me. And I was I was not feeling that. That took me kind of completely out of the movie. Um, yeah, so that was just the main part. I spent most of the movie trying to log into my student loan website. <laughs> you and everybody else. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Plot twist, I couldn't get on. Um, at one point, I did log in, and it said, like, there's no data here, and I'm like, sweet. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Joe. Uh, <laughs> um, Lydia, what didn't work about you? What? <laughs> a lot of things but that's a long list that okay? was unintentional Lydia, that was what, so rude <laughs> what did not work about this movie for you so one of the main things that didn't work for me for this movie was the fact that like I get it's an old like westerny type movie so you're gonna have to have your actors speak in like a southern accent and all that but make sure they can keep up with it mm-hmm <laughs> Say John Malkovich could not keep up with that accent to save his life. And then Josh Rowland 
almost kept up with it too much to the point with with his like cheek prosthetic you couldn't understand what he was saying 98% of the time and let's not even get to Megan Fox because not gonna go there if you're gonna have people set in that specific uh, vicinity of the world like make sure they can keep up with the accent because if you're going to sit there for an hour and a half two hours I don't even know how long this movie was (laughs) like they need to be able to consistently sound like that Honestly, I think that was one of the biggest things that bugged me. Like, other than that, like, there wasn't a whole lot that took me out of it. But I also don't really know a whole lot about the, like, character and the overall thing it's based off of. So, yeah. Uh, Ella. Um, what I didn't like was pretty much all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Um it was, so I got introduced by Jonah Hex with a very short 20-minute Batman animated series episode, which, looking at this film and this plot line, it's very similar, except uh, John Malkovich's character was replaced by Ra's al Ghul. Same time frame and everything. Um, so they basically took that 20-minute story and just tried to make it an hour. Nightmare Before Christmas is longer than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not joking. I looked at it. I was like, who made a comic book movie in an hour and 20 minutes? This is crazy. Um, so the, it just, the rest of it just fell so incredibly flat for me. It was very disappointing. Um, going back, because again, I fall down the nerd rabbit hole. Um, it went through three directors before it landed on one. It went through six script rewrites. Ooh. They filmed... 12 pages of reshoots in six days, Ooh. which is why you probably got a lot of your inconsistent Accent thing, yeah. accents, which was terrible. And that's why it felt like you went nowhere. Like you just jumped. Like it just jumped there. I felt like I didn't feel any story movement and the whole um, waking people up, dead people just for this movie that does not exist in Jonah Hex's realm. Um, outside of this film. But that was probably the only thing that uh, when Mitch brought it up was interesting. That scene was cool, but past that. And then surprise, Negan popped out of a grave. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, like, yeah! I thought it was! He is is uncredited, intentionally not credited. And when you brought up Mastodon, that was their second score that they did because of the new director. They had to re-score the whole film again. With a less metal vibe than what it originally was. So, Matt, your original soundtrack used to be there. Would have been there. Okay. Yeah. Wow. They replaced composers halfway through, and <sighs> Mastodon was ticked because they had to rescore all over again. I'm just glad huh. that was actually Jeopardy and Morgan, because I was, like, sitting there yep. scrolling through all the Google stuff, and I was like, that has to be him! It's him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw that, and I was like, does this guy just literally die in everything he does? Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> <sighs> Uh, Matt, what about you? Um, This movie had everybody. Like, every time you turn around, somebody else is showing up. Like, for Christ's sake, Michael Fassbender Mm -hmm. plays like a nobody in this movie. Mm -hmm. Also, he's just the obligatory, like, European that's part of the crew, which is just ridiculous. Like, it's just, you do these westerns, it's like, hey, we gotta have this European that came over and is just now in the wild West. Like why just, he doesn't really belong there. There's really no point for him to be there and his death. Like, why are we knocking off Indiana Jones 
in the airplane. Like, why? Like, why was that? Why was that a thing? Um, yeah, John Malkovich. I love John Malkovich as an actor. This was such a poorly done role for him. Like, it's just, and it's probably the accent, but there's, he just does not fit in a Wild West setting. No. Just doesn't. I know a lot of times we fall back on thing like the fact that the CGI didn't age well. In this respect, it kind of actually is okay. Like it didn't go all that poorly. The fact that his power to be able to talk to dead people is like barely touched upon. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> like that was something they very easily could have expanded and done very cool things with. And it was like not really a throwaway, but it's like. It was a second thought. Yeah, I mean, they used it as a plot device to move mm-hmm. things forward and get from point A to point B, not for any real interest. Um, this movie also underscores how bad an actress Megan Fox is. <laughs> She's not good. And kind of like I mentioned with things that are good, there really aren't too many plot holes because there's really not much of a plot. <laughs> For, to fall apart. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I didn't think worked. There's just so many things. Tabitha, what about you? Um, okay, first of all, the cemetery scene. Jeffrey Day Morgan was buried in two separate cemeteries oh. in this movie. Because <laughs> the first time he pulled him out of the ground and was like having his hey jib conversation... <laughs> He was in, like, an Arlington National Cemetery kind of thing. And then at the end, when he was like, sorry, Jib, and he's, like, going to run off into the sunset with his dog, they were in a completely different cemetery under trees. He was buried with an Avenger. Yeah. (laughs) Reshoots. I was like, isn't that a different cemetery location? Because it was like, he got back on his horse, and he just, like, rode under these big trees. And I was like, that was not there before. before. (laughs) But okay. Um... This, I have never watched a movie that has come so far from passing the Bechtel test in my life. (laughs) Like, I was just steady waiting for literally anybody else that was not a man that was not Megan Fox to show up in this movie, and it never happened. Like, oh, we had the dead, we had the dead wife. Yeah. And then we had Megan Fox. And there was nobody else. Was was the dead wife played by Megan Fox in like heavy makeup? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but I was. I was just like, this is just all a bunch of dudes. <laughs> just a bunch of dudes. Even in the scene where like they were like showing Washington D.C. and like the gunmaker guy was standing there with his children, there was one woman in the background of that scene. Also, Megan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, this this had a lot of problems this did hold my attention and also i was about halfway through where i was like i think i've seen this before (laughs) i don't know that's actually accurate if it was like a fever dream but i think i've seen it before but i couldn't i couldn't swear to it something like aiden quinn aiden quinn showed up and i was like i've seen this movie it was the president i forgot about that and also why the hell who invited will arnett to this movie (laughs) i feel like someone just like stood in a casting office and was like we'll take you and we'll take you he said he wanted to do a serious role for that was one of the comments i made was like i don't think i've ever actually seen him do something that was like 
serious before, and that's kind of weird. It's and I don't awkward. Know it is. He didn't even yeah. pull a magic trick. That's what I wanted. Right? I don't know why he picked this to be his serious role. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's the only chance he got. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I saw him pop up and I was like, oh, is this going to be a comedy? And then I was, <laughs> and then about 30 seconds later, I went back to like doing other stuff. Yeah, Oops. there was there was a lot going on. But every every time someone new popped into it that was like a big name actor, I'm like, why, why are you here? Like I spent the whole movie going, is that? Yeah, that is. Why is he here? Like, I was just so upset. Um, just a little bit. Right? I mean, it did take us halfway through to realize it was Michael Fassbender. Well, I kept thinking it was Michael Fassbender, but I don't want to look like an idiot and be like, is that Michael Fassbender? Who's Irish with weird West Indy tattoos. Mm-hmm. Again, makes no sense. <laughs> no. So, our next question. If you've seen this before... How does this match up to previous viewings? And if you haven't seen this before, do you envision yourself seeing it again? Tabitha, since you just admitted to maybe seeing this before, let's start with you this round. I mean, it felt like a fever dream both times. (laughs) And I may have just blocked it out and I only remember Aiden Quinn, which is a very weird thing for me to remember about a movie. Um I don't know. Like, if it was, like, I wouldn't, like, purposefully sit down and be like, oh, my God, I'm going to watch Jonah Hex. But, like, if it was on at, like, someone's house and they were like, come over, I'm watching a movie. And I sat down. First off, I would make fun of them for watching Jonah Hex. But then I would still watch it. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like, I wouldn't refuse to see this movie again. But it's definitely not on my to-watch list. Like, I'm good. Matt? Um, Yeah. You know, back in the day when you would just flip channels and stuff was on and you would just find yourself watching something randomly. Would I watch this if I were flipping channels and it was on? Yes. Would I intentionally search this on HBO max and hit play a second time? No. Lydia. Yeah. I I have to agree. Like as a whole, like it wasn't a bad movie. Like if you look at it from the perspective of, oh, this is just another stylized Western movie. If you look at it like it's a comic book movie, then yeah, there's a lot of problems. But like just watching it without the idea behind it of what this character is supposed to be and what this like storyline is supposed to be. It's like this is a stylized Western with fancy guns. This is basically a more serious version of Wild Wild West. Like... (laughs) To go out and actually sit down and watch it again, I probably would not do it, but I would not, like, be upset if I came across it again. It was just, like, in the background. Ella. I would never watch this again. (laughs) (laughs) I would go back and watch the Batman animated episode again. Um the expectations, I think, were so high, which is why there were so many people in it. But I think it's one of those movies that are a victim of, like, studio control. Like, the potential was there. And that just makes me sad. So, I would not. No. And here, Ella has the best taste of all of us. Because we're all, <laughs> like, everybody else is, like, eh. I mean, I wouldn't want to, but I wouldn't say no. <laughs> and Ella's over here just being, like. No, F you. I'm out. (laughs) I literally got on my phone in the last 20 minutes. I honestly couldn't tell you much about the end of it. I did see John Malkovich's head explode, though. Um, But if it didn't hold my attention the first time to come and talk about it, it's I'm going to there's way more things that I want to watch. And this would be a waste of my time. All right. So 
Now the important question. Is Jonah Hex a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? Ella, we'll start with you. It is a dumpster fire. Tabitha. Yeah, it's a dumpster fire. Matt. I was just thinking about the fact that the family burned. And we're calling it a dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, is this movie a guilty pleasure or a western fire? (laughs) Wow. I mean, I was thinking about saying it. (laughs) Uh, I like the soundtrack. The CGI didn't age poorly, but everything else about this movie did. Um, This is a this is a house fire. (laughs) Lydia. Is there like an in-between option? Because like I can't necessarily call it either one because it wasn't bad enough that I want to call it a dumpster fire but it's not good bad enough that I want to say it's a guilty pleasure like I'm in between I can't choose that's fair uh, <clears throat> I was kind of in in your boat like did it have a big gun on the front <laughs> <laughs> was it funnier the second time <laughs> It did, it did pick it up the second time. Or the first time. But we got to pick up that stork. Damn it! <laughs> and that wills for me. <laughs> um, but anyway, but yeah, like... So, I was, in, I, I, I was in your shoes. And it's like, this wasn't a terrible movie. Learning some of the behind-the-scenes things that, Ella, that you had mentioned, like now lead me to believe no this was a terrible movie but um yeah i like out of apathy alone i have to give this a dumpster fire like kind of like wait again what you said uh like i wasn't just watching this just because oh i wanted something on tv while i eat dinner and you know like catch up on bills or whatever like no i am watching this for a project i'm watching it for this podcast to talk about it and still, I couldn't bring myself to actually watch it. So, yeah. You gone, boy. <laughs> you gone. I would watch this over that stupid Santa Claus in Space movie any day. Santa Conquers the Martians? Whatever. That is an awesome movie. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, and awesome soundtrack. Better with riff tracks. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, we've got a little bit of time. Let's try to do like some rapid fire gut reaction. That sounded bad. (laughs) 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 We're going to start poor, poor, poor Jennifer Walters, AKA she Hulk attorney at law. Um, the MCU's newest Disney Plus series, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, is the latest to suffer review bombing. Um, it's even worse than what Ms. Marvel had to go through. Um, of the more than 30,000 reviews that are on IMDb, uh, right now, like 30% of them are one-star reviews. Um, some of the reviews have valid concerns, such as, you know, the, the CGI isn't as good as it should be, or, you know, maybe some of the humor isn't hitting the way that it should. Uh, other reviews, however, are simply just complaining about this show, like, being woke or having, like, forced feminism, things like that. Um, I'm giving these reviews a thumbs down. Uh, I actually, I was ready to write off 
this series when they had that first trailer like Lydia and I we talked about mm-hmm. it, like that first trailer was admittedly bad um the subsequent trailers have gotten a little bit better and um I had are you okay mm-hmm. okay are you bleeding no okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, asking the important questions, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but like, She Hulk has gotten good reviews, not even necessarily from like actual reviewers, but like friends, like personal friends of mine of people that I trust their opinion on things. So I'm like, okay, I'll give this a shot. Was She Hulk my favorite MCU series from the get go? No, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, it's it has a different feel from some of the other MCU sh- shows. And also, if you're giving this a review bomb just for the simple fact that a, a lady is leading, um, get a life. Because She-Hulk can definitely beat you up. Yeah. And probably Jennifer Walters can too. Um, Ella. So this is just general on She-Hulk? Um, well, this is on the review the bomb reviews. of... Yeah. You know, I don't pay attention to reviewers because it's either people that don't know what they're talking about and they're trying to sound like they do, or they're just hating on either content or they haven't even watched it yet. Um, So I really don't read a ton of those. It's a shame that people are out there reviewing what? There's how many episodes out? One, maybe two? Um, I think the second one is out now because they release on Thursdays. Okay, so reviewing one episode, right? You haven't even gotten that far into it. You have to give it a chance. And everybody's different. You know, we all might find something out of it. Um, So, no, negative reviews, I just, I don't know. I don't have time for them. There's other things to do. And, you know, if you're just doing it, like you said, because she's a woman, you know, it's already out there. The story's not new, right? So let's just go with it and see what happens. And watch the whole thing before you pass judgment on it. I'm a big fan of that. I'm not going to trash a film or a show unless I've watched it. And then I can say that it's terrible. I might not agree with its initial run, but I'm not going to say whether or not it's terrible unless I go through the process. Where's your thumb? Down. <laughs> thumb down. Tabitha. Um, so I love Tatiana Maslany with every fiber of my being um from the one trailer i've seen of this i don't know that this is going to be my jam um the negative review stuff we always get that it's called the internet we have trolls you have to look past it and make a decision for yourself because if i listen to every review of everything that i ever looked at watched, listened to i would never get to do anything because everybody is always so negative about things so Thumbs down for the review bombing. People are dumb. Again, like you said, get a life. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know that I really have anything to add other than the fact that, like, it's, and I know that it's the internet, but stop review bombing just to be a jackass. Like, just stop. Like, some people. Not a whole lot of people anymore, but some people look at those reviews and base their decision to watch it on, like, the overall rating. So just, it, it's just counterproductive. Thumbs down. Lydia. Yeah, like, <laughs> the internet is a wonderful place for people to 
try to knock things down without even having the chance to look at them really so yeah thumbs down if you're going to try to like review something poorly you have to at least give it time to get off the ground first matt let's talk about the marvel multiverse rpg um so didn't really know this was happening but marvel is going to have a pen and paper rpg um the core rule book marvel multiverse rpg is releasing in june of 2023 um there will also be in july uh the first adventure book which is called the cataclysm of kang um so it sounds like those are just going to be kind of like one-shot adventures along the lines of like a D style um the kind of interesting thing is is that they are playing with the dice system um for this and they are calling it the d616 system (laughs) well played um that you are going to roll three six-sided dice when you make a check um one of the three is called a marvel dice and it can trigger a fantastic roll if that rolls as a one um so i don't know it could have some cool rule variations from D D. um but i apart from that like i i don't i don't know that we need a marvel pen and paper rpg like how are you going to level up the super like superhero powers like thor's lightning bolt is stronger than it was because you beat an adventure i that doesn't have any appeal to me um so i'm gonna go thumbs sideways because i think in general the setup is kind of cool but i'm not real sure why it's happening lydia yeah i'm also gonna go thumbs sideways like i understand what they're trying to do but at the same time, like Matt said, there's limitations to the whole idea behind this. And uh, I don't know where they're going to go with this. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm also going to go thumb sideways. Um, just for the simple fact, like, I'm not the target market for this. But I'm sure if there are role-playing game players, that's not that's not a thing. <laughs> um <laughs> But I'm sure that there are some people out there who are excited about this. And you know what? I'm here for you. <laughs> Ella. Um, I'll go thumb sideways, too. There's going to be, like you said, the ones out there that are really excited about it. And then the diehard D&D folks are going to be like, who cares? But I think also we're... I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's a Marvel... I've hit Marvel Overload. I've finally hit to the point where it's like, I'm not excited about any of the new shows that are coming out, mm-hmm. um, which is sad because I was so into it for so long and it's my jam, but it, I need a break. And I think we kind of just have to chill out just a little bit so we can get excited about it again. Tabitha. So the only thing I keep thinking about is like, this would be a fun starter to D and D for like a younger crowd where like maybe they weren't ready for a D and D kind of, adventure situation but they could play D D, quote unquote as avengers and it might appeal to a younger audience and maybe a newer audience maybe people who have wanted to get into D D, and they did a really good job with the marketing here where they took something that was like super popular during a time when that age demographic 
is like growing and now they've reached that age where they might be thinking about starting D&D, but they might be overwhelmed by D&D. This is like a good jumping off place for lack of a better term. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up. So not quite a D&D, but maybe like a B&B. An Airbnb? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tabitha, let's go to the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk. Let's. We haven't gone there in a while. Um, so Lin-Manuel Miranda, along with John Kander and Susan Stroman, are going to be teaming up for a musical, a stage musical, loosely inspired by the Scorsese film New York, New York, that will begin performances on Broadway in 2023. Um, Kander and Fred Ebb's classic songs from the film will be there. And then Miranda or Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be pinning the lyrics. <clears throat> they say it's like very loosely based on that film and it's going to have very actual resemblance to the film. And it's going to focus on a brand new storyline set in 1946. Um, New York, New York is one of those movies that's like not enjoyable to watch, but like kind of fun to watch. If that makes sense. So I'm interested to see how they turn this into a stage musical and also obviously i would trust lynn with my life let alone a scorsese film so thumbs up matt um i have never seen new york new york i know um but again it's one of those things like lynn manuel miranda has reached that point where as of right now he can do no wrong um, so give him a chance to play with these lyrics and come up with something that could reignite the interest so thumbs up lydia yeah i also have not seen this and my first thought was uh it's not frank sinatra is it he sings that song is it okay that's where my brain went and i don't know if that has any connection to the movie but <laughs> <laughs> i i guess i trust lynn to do something good so i'm gonna tentatively give it a thumbs up surprise surprise i have not seen new york new york um however <laughs> um yeah definite thumbs up for this um i know that officially lynn can do no wrong um however like some of his movies that he's been a part of like haven't been stinkers but like haven't been as successful as they probably should have been uh that said anything that he does with the stage is turns to gold so i'm definitely okay with this ella I'm going to join the... I have not seen New York, New York either. It's Robert De Niro and Liza Minnelli! What's wrong with you people? <laughs> Is it a musical? <laughs> not really, no. No. <laughs> um, no, which usually, if you're saying Scorsese, that's usually my jam. But have not. Um, probably would watch that over a stage show. I'm not a huge musical fan. But I know everyone loves Lynn. And I know, again, I hear great things with the stage. Um, same I've heard about the films, but I will give it a thumbs up for all of those people that are going to be lining up around the block to buy tickets. Do people line up around the block to buy tickets anymore? I would for Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> what wouldn't you do for Lin-Manuel Miranda? That list doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so, been talking about, you know, like, next year C2E2 will be here before we know it. You know, we've been kind of talking about a staying at a different hotel. Um, Matt, you brought up a good hotel that we might stay in called um, the Bloody Hell Hotel. <laughs> this is not really a hotel you want to stay in. Um, <laughs> but it does sound fun anyways. Um, 
It is going to be a first-person horror-filled take on management sims, um, a la Stardew Valley. Right? There's a lot going on there. I know. So oh, much. hell no. <laughs> Do you have um, attention? Continue. So, some of the staff that are creating this have worked on Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Baldur's Gate 3, so they're not new to the video game genres. Um, but um, the game picks up after the player wakes up from a centuries-long coma and finds their manor in ruins... They have to turn it right. They have to turn it into a pros- prosperous hotel with a crypt underneath. Um, as a vampire running a hotel, if you get hungry, maybe you just have a snack of one of your guests. Um, the trailer looks. That person in room six 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 is a snack. Wow. <laughs> uh, where to go from there? Um, <laughs> It's coming to PC and consoles. Um, It looks interesting. I'm not one for like the management sims, but I don't know. I think this looks fun. It's dark. It's kind of twisted. I'm going to go thumbs up. Lydia. I'm still just trying to like connect all the dots between all the different like video game references and directors and everything that you just made. And I don't know where those all connect. Um, <laughs> this sounds so weird and so twisted, and I want to play it, <laughs> which I don't know what it says about me. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, to whoever can come up with something like that, good for you. Thumbs up. I might get around to it at some point. <laughs> you said horror and you said management, and I'm like, I did that for a year of my life and never again. Thumbs down. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> Well, sounding like a very adult version of a Hotel Transylvania in a video yes. game. Um, I don't play games, but I can measure based on if I would watch somebody play this. And I would probably watch somebody play this for a little bit. But depending on how gory the horror was, eh. So I'm going to go a sideways. Tabitha. I'm going to go thumbs up because I can't get the idea of a spooky Stardew Valley out of my head now. <laughs> watch the trailer. It's kind of fun. But I don't play games. I would have to watch somebody play it that like knew what they were doing or it would annoy me. So <laughs> I'm going to go thumb sideways. Oh, no, I went thumbs up already. I gave yeah. my thumb. Yeah. My thumb is done. <laughs> <sighs> so like with every changing season... We have another story that movie passes back. <laughs> um, you have until August 29th to join a wait list. And then you'll get an invite to join movie pass. But you have to pay depending on where you live. It's divided up by zip code. And you will either pay $10, I'm assuming a month, uh, $20 or $30. Um Thumbs down. Stop trying to make Mega Movie Pass a thing. It's never going to happen. I almost said Mega Pass. I still got the State Fair. I'm not right. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Megan Fox. <laughs> yes, Megan Fox runs Movie Pass. But still, thumbs down. Ella. No, just quit. 
I mean, most theaters out there already have their own type of deal anyway, so why are we trying to make something work that's just going to be more complicated? I already know how to work that system. I don't need a new system to work, so <laughs> thumbs down. Tap them. I just hope we don't get back into that thing where we have to talk about MoviePass like once every week, because there for a while it was like all we were talking about was movie pass and i kind of thought the movie pass demon was behind us but obviously it's not um so thumbs down for us having to talk about movie pass again matt it just needs to go away like it's 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 lived its best life i mean maybe it's not its best life it's lived a life and just needs to just go to the grave thumbs down lydia Movie Pass is the final boss that will not die. <laughs> like we are on like the twentieth level of this thing, and it's still alive. And I don't know how. Thumbs down. Wait, we need let me solo her to, <laughs> to take on Movie Pass. <laughs> oh my gosh, no! Thumbs down. Like especially with the trying to divide cost up by zip code. Screw you. Go away. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Tabitha, let's talk about Henry VIII. Not something you thought you'd hear on this show, right? Well, you know. You never know on this show. We talk about some weird stuff. So an AI-generated image has uh, given us a glimpse of basically what Henry VIII would look like in the modern world, and he does not look happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They used Google research and open... Imagine... By Google Research and OpenAI's DAL E2. Both of those use natural language processing with image training, um, and they produced a pretty solid result. Um, it's unclear which what they put in to get this picture of Henry VIII, but it is uh, it's fair to say that he does not he does not look happy. Um, one of a redditor commenter said he looks like you've just spilled his pint, and he. <laughs> He does indeed look like you have uh, very recently taken his beer and just spilled it. They also put him in like a general's outfit. I mean, he would be King Henry VIII, but it looks more like a five-star general costume, and he looks crabby. Um, So uh, this is my favorite quote from this article. It's fair to say he does not look happy with the situation, but don't feel too bad about it, as he did kill a significant percentage of his wives. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving the whole AI recreation thing a thumbs down because these go around every once in a while. People are like modernizing like people from the Tudor period and they're always real uncomfy. But this one like is almost too realistic and it's like extra uncomfy. Matt. Yeah, I, I like it's maybe kind of fun to play with, but why do we keep doing this other than somebody has too much time on their hands? Just thumbs down. Lydia. Yeah, people need to leave, like, AI alone, like, between the recreations of people that are dead and trying to make, like, Google talk like dead relatives and all, all this crap. Like, no, 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 thank you. Thumbs down. Yeah. I mean, of course he was upset. Like, he just got out of seeing Six the Musical and <laughs> <laughs> thought that it was something completely different. Um, but I don't know. I... I give this a thumbs up. Like, I, I realize at the end of the day, this is just one step closer to Google and its robots killing us all. Mm-hmm. But um, something like this, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Is it necessary? Nah, not really. But it's still kind of cool. Ella. 
Uh, it's it's unnecessary. I mean, let's go back to putting cats or dogs in that situation <laughs> and uh, leave the AI alone. It's already like a Black Mirror episode already, so I don't think we need to add any more to that. So thumbs down. <laughs> oh, that's scary. Yeah. It's so accurate. Nope. It's so realistic. <laughs> that is very, very mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah. All right. So speaking of things from the past brought to the present, um, AWA is a comics publisher, and it's releasing a modern-day retelling of The Great Gatsby in November. Uh, Gatsby is described... This is just the, the boiled-down version. There's there's more to it. But it's described as a, quote, LGBTQ-tinged multicultural th- thriller for the internet age. <laughs> um, I'm giving this a thumbs down. I feel like if this was... Not even necessarily a wholly original story because at the end of the day, they, uh, that doesn't exist anymore. But when you're openly admitting to like, hey, we're retelling The Great Gatsby and we're making all these changes, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. If it was different, but still had like all these things, I'd be like, okay, I'll at least give it a try. But I don't think I'm going to try this. Ella. No, it's it, unnecessary. I mean, Buzz Lerman did an okay job, and it just needs to stop there. Um, I know, didn't it just become public, public domain, domain. Mm-hmm. which is why everyone's rewriting 50 million things about it? Let it be. It just needs to be the way that it is. So a thumbs down. Tabitha. Two things. First thing, Ella's right. It became public domain and everybody went wild there was a there's been a book written from nick caraway's point of view there has been an that daisy's point of view there has been a jordan baker if she was an adopted asian lesbian point of view and i if you talk to my uh college english professor gatsby is already a queer story um so we don't need to just start I'm all for diversity, but it's it's so unoriginal to take a novel that has been written and lauded and granted it has its problems. And F. Scott Gerald, guys, was a giant piece of trash. And we all know that now. But you're taking this story that has been taught to essentially everyone who has ever gone through school. And some people love it. Some people hate it. But you're taking it and you're picking it apart just to diversify it for your own benefit not for the benefit of the people around you and not because you think you have a story to tell but because you're marketing and you're taking that story and you're like this is popular right now let me see what i can do with it and the boz lerman film was a great version of that story um because it's almost word for word the book and the original movie with sam waterston is and robert redford is also the same as the book like they didn't do anything to it because nothing needed to be done i i have been so annoyed by all these gatsby retellings lately and this is just an extra one that's just gonna make me more angry thumbs down matt this again because it's public domain it's out there and anybody can do essentially what they want with it and because it's popular it's a hip cool trendy thing to, I mean, I, I kind of hate to use this word, but to bastardize the story and to make a dime off of your fan fiction. Because that's what they're doing. 
like, yes, all about representation and that, but don't, don't do this just because everybody else is doing it and it's cool. Thumbs down. Lydia. Perfect timing, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I I don't have anything else to add. Just thumbs down. We just have two? No, three more stories. I'm sorry. Matt, let's talk about Dune Awakening. Uh, I'll make this quick. Um, We are getting a Dune uh, video game. And they are, I know, I'm all about the video games and the video game mashups. Because this is going to be an open world survival MMO in the Dune universe. Um, I don't know if I'm here for it. That's a lot of sand. Um, (laughs) And I hate sand. Um, That is Anakin confirmed. (laughs) Well, it's called the sandbox for a reason. (laughs) Um, It's Funcom that's doing it, so they have a decent track record. But and the the trailer it looks absolutely gorgeous. Like they've done well with the visuals, but I I just don't know that that's a world that needs an MMO video game. So I'm still gonna go thumbs down, despite the fact that that trailer is very pretty and that sandworm is intimidating. Lydia, I'm gonna go thumb sideways. Like I understand them trying to make more content out of something that is fairly popular but I don't know if this is necessarily the route that they should have gone with it. I'm going to go with them sideways. Um, I feel like Dune could be like I mean I, I realize Dune's been around forever but like as of now like it could be like a next great franchise mm-hmm. um, and I feel like it's probably on the cusp of that. Um but at the same time, like, I don't know, like, there's very little chance that I'd play this game. Ella. I'm going to go thumbs up. If it get other Matt outside of Stalker, because it sounds like <laughs> something he would play that's right up his alley, the whole open world, whatever. Um, but the it is an interesting, you know, the new film. You're good. Okay, the new, the new film was really incredible to look at, but you don't go that really far out there. So I would love to just walk the world. Or I should say watch somebody else walk the world. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to give it a thumbs up because at least, you know, we're trying a different thing and it is on the cusp of something. So it could broaden or drag more people into the story and be interested in it. So it kind of furthers that franchise. Tabitha. I have a headcanon that had uh, George Lucas gotten a hold of Dune before he started star wars that dune would be the next like it would be star wars um the universe is incredibly well done and fleshed out and i think this video game gives people an opportunity to literally like like you said walk this planet walk these spaces because we don't have a lot because that first movie was done well but i don't think we got the full scope of Dune at all in that movie. So if this can add even a little bit to that, I think it's great. Thumbs up. So Bloomington, Indiana is home to a statue of future hometown hero, Catherine Janeway, captain of the USS Voyager. Uh, Kate Mulgrew, who plays Captain Janeway, will visit Bloomington for an event in October, leading to one concerned citizen to write to the local paper 
saying in part like, this is like a three paragraph like letter to the editor i'm only reading you one sentence but this person says quote the bust is clearly a violation of the temporal prime directive and will cause <laughs> irreversible damage to the timeline if the future Janeway, who will be born in Bloomington in the year 2344, is allowed to see it and learn of the future adventures of her and her crew. Um, Kate Mulgrew promised on Twitter to not cause any temporal anomalies. <laughs> I'm giving a thumbs up to literally everyone involved in this story, from the person who wrote the letter to the editor, to the editor who then published it, and then obviously to Kate Mulgrew for, like, playing along with this. This is phenomenal, and I keep saying that I want to go to Bloomington, Indiana and visit this in person. (sighs) Ella. That sounds like your opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Um... A two thumbs up. That is amazing. <laughs> that just made my day. Uh, I'm with you the whole way. The fact that they took the time and energy. Now I want to go read the three paragraphs because ah, gotta love nerds. Amazing. So <laughs> two thumbs up. Tabitha. I was real prepared to be real angry. I was like, <laughs> I what, did, you sigh. what did some idiot from Indiana say now? I was not expecting a prime directive violation. <laughs> concern i was that was not where i thought that was going i was prepared to be mad and i was pleasantly surprised that almost never happens to me so thank you thumbs up i would feel like you trying like getting ready to be mad and then not being mad is like when you feel a sneeze coming on but then it never happens (laughs) that's almost exactly how it feels yes Matt. Also, before Matt speaks, if you ever want to take a uh, take a drive, I would like to see the future birthplace of James Tiberius Kirk. (laughs) So it's in Iowa. So we can make a we can make a boop boop. We can make a drive. Yeah. Oh, I understand that. That's why I said a boop. You start in one and then go to the other. Yeah. I'm totally gonna edge in on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Me in. And I don't know if it actually is, but I mean, like we're kind of the midway point between Iowa and Indiana. I don't know if, like, we're the midway point of those two statues, but, like, we can make it work. Road trip. Geek Awakens road trip. Let's do this. Let's do it. Summer's almost over. Oh, this is a next year thing. Oh. Okay. (laughs) Fine. Matt. (laughs) Um, I'm with Tabitha. I was real set. I was real set to be mad about this, whatever this idiot wrote to the newspaper, but this is fantastic. Thumbs up. Lydia. I'm so glad that you guys said like Geek Awakens Road Trip because that was going to be my first comment was so we're all just going to go get together in a car and we're going to go like to this statue, right? Because all of this is just freaking amazing. I, yeah, I love this. Thumbs up. Lydia, you have our last story of the night. And admittedly, this story is a couple of weeks old. Um, You showed this to the group when we were, we took a week off last week and i still love everything about this and this is how you're going to get me to start playing video games um move over stray um who is who is killing that cat and probably literally so yeah probably literally if he uh crosses him wrong so the uh in progress video game that is a huge like video game of the year contender whenever it comes out is squirrel with a gun it is exactly what it sounds like 
you play as a squirrel that roams around this opened world. And you can just pick up a gun and use it whenever you want. You can, you know, rob a random person on the street that tries to take your picture. You can use the recoil from the guns to, you know, get up on a roof that you wouldn't be able to reach normally. Everything about this is absolutely amazing. And what I love about this, too, is, like, it's not, like, a squirrel-sized gun. No, it's a regular gun. It is a regular-sized, like, human-sized gun that this little tiny squirrel has a hold of and is holding you at gunpoint with. And you should take the time to go watch some of the trailers for this because they are absolutely amazing. Um, So this game is actually, uh, there's a page for it on Steam right now. So you can add it to your wish list if you are on Steam. Um, the developer Daniel D. Interment, uh says that it is a uh, sandbox game and is all about exploration and shooting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you you literally just run around this world as a squirrel and you can use guns and you can melee fight grown ass humans. Oh and- my god! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that I needed a video game so bad until this game came out. Unfortunately, right now, there is no release date. However, funny enough, on Steam, when you go to the Steam page for this video game, it says uh, release date, and the actual answer is, good question! (laughs) (laughs) But you can go to Twitter, to uh, Dan D'Entrement's Twitter page for the video game, it has trailers for the game. It has little behind the scenes of like the development issues they've been having. So you get to see like the little like glitches of like them trying to make the squirrel climb a post and him just like sticking his front legs in it and just gliding up the side of the post. Like I thought Ultimate Goose Game was like gonna be like my one of my top tier games. I think this might top it, guys. <laughs> I did not know that I needed to be able to play as a, a squirrel with a gun, but I, th- I think I might have like found my niche. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is everything to me. <laughs> I love every second of this. The only sad part is there's no release date yet, but it's on my my Steam wish list now. Now that I know that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's how I get Steam. Yes. <laughs> I knew eventually we were going to find something that we got. <laughs> you would think that that stray game would have done it. I'm surprised that it didn't actually. Yeah. yeah. But no. Well, but if you get the squirrel game, then you can also get stray. Yeah, that's true. Because they're both on Steam. Yeah. And then you get the ultimate goose game. And then you just have the trifecta of like <laughs> animal games that you get to just like be a nuisance in. Yeah. And that's how nobody ever sees me again. <laughs> <laughs> So, quick update before we sign off. Uh, Tabitha has sh- like seen the path from the two statues, and I'm, now I'm talking like Captain Kirk. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Springfield is not quite on the path of the two statues, but it's not far off. Uh, Champaign, Illinois is like directly on the path. So, we can just have an after party at Not Seth's. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. It's only six hours and nine minutes. For from both? From both. Like, if you dri- if we drive from here to uh, Riverside, Iowa, and then uh, we 
you know, whatever. And then from Riverside, Iowa over to Bloomington, Indiana is only six hours. And from okay. here to Riverside is like three. So we okay. can do this in a weekend. Oh yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Oh, heck yeah. I'm and down. honestly, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna volunteer. Uh, Mom and Father Stevens, also known as Matt's mom and Tom Hanks. Um, <laughs> their house is like a quarter of an hour north from. So we all have to watch Fanboys before we take this adventure, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? It wants to tell me where all of these are. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. It wants to tell me where all of my job is located. Oh, and it has oh. pulled up every location in that area. It's like, would you like to travel here on your way? I'm like, no, thank you. No, <laughs> I want to pretend that place doesn't exist. Or, or better yet, if we go the long route, and I don't know why anybody would do this, we could go this way, and this is cutting pretty close to Hamilton County. Ooh, and I know you really want to go yeah. to Hamilton County. We could make that on like a on the fall festival weekend, and we could see yeah. uh, Diamond Rio if you really Ooh, want to. Yeah, let's do it. I- I told you that I'm going to Carbondale next weekend, right? You did. I, yeah. I have some things to tell you about your stay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because I did like, I did look at oh, one yeah. point to see how far Hamilton County was from Carbondale. It's like an hour. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I'm driving a state car, so like, I can't. But like, part of me is like, I want to. Yeah. So you'll get enough. Yeah. Before, before I start talking other work secrets, um, <laughs> that's gonna do it for this episode of the Geek Awakens. Um, Depending on my play schedule, I don't know if we'll be back next week or not. I don't know. Um, we'll be back sometime. In the meantime, check us out on social media. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody is giving real work weird looks right now, and it is freaking me out. Um, say bye. 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 bye.